0: Amen. Church family, I just hope that uh, we will uh, let the words and the lyrics of that song just take our hearts that, um, that God is enough. That you come here to this place, wherever you've been, and whatever circumstance that you've been in. And as I just look throughout our congregation, I mean, we we could all just get up and just talk about our stories, right? Stories and um, stories of victory and stories of hardship and stories of joy and stories of fatigue. Uh, But God is the God over all of our stories. And we've come here to declare as a community, as a church family, that he's enough He's enough, and thank you, God, for the joys and uh, this past week that you gave us, and uh, thank you, God, for the hardships and difficulties that you gave us, Uh, because before any of those got to us, they went through you first, and so they've come for some purpose. I really hope that, uh, that that truth, the truth of those lyrics that you just keep preaching yourself the lyrics of that song that that god is enough and 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 because he's enough we know who we are okay and we are who he says we are all right and that's that's why we gather here and worship because we need to be reminded of that together amen Amen. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Good to be with you here at Windsor Road Christian Church and so very, very glad uh, to, to be together with people that I love and to worship together here. And if this is your first Sunday at the church, my name is Randy and I just uh, uh, would love a few moments of your time. Sarah and I would, my wife Sarah and I, we, we're going to be in a place called the Fireside Room and it's kind of our hospitality space and I would just love to, uh, we would just love to, to, to visit with you. Our elders and staff will be there as well. We want to know about your encouragements, and we want to know what's what concerns you have on your heart. So, all right. Um, so uh, we move into our teaching time here at the church, and we have been walking through uh, the sermon to the Hebrews, right—a two thousand-year-old sermon manuscript, and uh, it still speaks today. And we have been camped in Hebrews chapter eleven, and this is this great chapter that talks about what is faith what does faith so jesus is better that's the theme of hebrews and then and then okay we need to trust him and and to put our identity him in him and our hope in him what does that look like what so what does faith look like and and the preacher has just been explaining to us over and over and over what that looks like by giving us a journey through the bible and we're going to continue that journey today. If you have your Bibles, would you please meet me in Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter, actually uh, turn to Hebrews chapter 11. And then I would like for you to, uh, once you have Hebrews eleven 29, I'd like for you to, to hold your Bible there. Okay. All right. Gonna, we're going to multitask here. We're a university community. We can do this. Okay. So we're going to multitask, Hebrews eleven twenty nine. 29, Hebrews eleven twenty nine. 29, okay, and then, and then, put, put, your, put your right hand here on Hebrews eleven twenty nine, 29, and then flip back to the second book of the Bible, Exodus 14, Exodus 14, all right, Exodus 14. I'm going to read Exodus 14, 10 through 18, Exodus 14 10 through 18 and Exodus 14 30 and 31 and then we're going to flip over to Hebrews eleven twenty nine. 29 that's going to constitute our scripture reading for today I want to put a tag on this message the gospel according to the Red Sea say that with me the gospel according to the Red Sea one more time the gospel according to the Red Sea so we're going to talk about crossing the Red Sea this morning, Hebrews 14, 10 to 18, 30 and 31, and Hebrews eleven twenty nine. 29. Hear these words from the Word. When Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? Is this not what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. They never said that. (laughs) For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. They never said that. And Moses said to the people, Fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians, whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. The Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry out to me? Stop right there. Now, wouldn't you have expected it to read, why are they crying out to me? Huh? Wouldn't you have expected that? It says, why do you cry out to me? Well, we haven't expected the Lord to say, why are they crying out to me? Okay? Hold that thought. Tell the people of Israel to go forward. Lift up your staff. And stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it, that the people of Israel may go through the sea on dry ground. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians, so that they shall go in after them. And I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his host, his chariots and his horsemen. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord, when I have gotten glory over Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. Thus, the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians, so the people feared the Lord, and they believed in the Lord. And in his servant Moses. By faith, the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. This is the word of the Lord. So somewhere, some preacher at some pulpit in some congregation once said that God will never give you more than you can handle. I think that's about the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my life. (sighs) Yeah. Uh, I mean... Our lives and the record of lives in Scripture say otherwise. I'm thinking of the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul, who in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8 said, For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. We felt we had received the sentence of death. That sounds like more than Paul can handle. What about Psalm 69, verse 1? Save me, O God, for the waters have come up around my neck. That sounds like more than I can handle. And what about Jesus himself? Matthew 26, 38. My soul is crushed, even to the point of death. That sounds like more than I can handle. Hebrews, Hebrews eleven twenty nine, 29, and, and the unpacking of this crossing of the Red Sea. This is a text for us. It's a text for a church. There's a spiritual community 2,000 years ago that's struggling with more than it can handle. And this church needs a word from the Lord. We need a word from the Lord when we're struggling with more than we can handle. Now, now, what is it that we need when we're struggling with more than we can handle? And the word is faith. Faith. Now, And, and by this, I don't mean easy believism. I don't mean knock on wood kind of, well, I sure hope this works out. No, 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 no. I'm talking about a gritty, resilient faith that sees the reality of life for what it is while trusting in the sovereign God for who He is. So when when life is more than you can handle, you have need of endurance. That's what Hebrews 10 says. That's what the verses which preface this entire conversation about what is faith, Hebrews chapter 11 you have need of endurance so so hebrews 11 is about enduring faith enduring enduring faith that moves forward one step at a time and so this one verse hebrews eleven twenty nine, 29 uh, is a verse that helps us understand the entire bible because Hebrews 11.29, this gospel according to the Red Sea um, is the storyline of Scripture. Your life and my life are in this verse. Hebrews 11.29 refers to that momentous historical event when Israel made their exodus out of Egyptian slavery through the Red Sea. And on the other side... God brought forth a nation, a people. On one side, they were the children of Israel. On the other side, they were Israel. Uh, until 1129, the preacher of Hebrews 11 has been talking about the enduring faith of individuals. You know, By faith, Abel. By faith, Enoch. By faith, Abraham. By faith. Uh, Moses here the subject is plural 1129 by faith the people the pe- do you see that the do you, do you get the corporate or the community aspect of faith you know in about a month the fields around us will you know be planted seeds are individually planted But they're harvested as one crop. And when God redeems us and forms us, it's it's not just a Jesus and me dynamic. It's one people, one nation, one congregation, one spiritual community. The Lord's Prayer does not begin with my Father who art in heaven. It starts with our Father who art in heaven. And so the Exodus was not merely for just a couple of the Israelites. It was for all of Israel. See, All of Israel. And in fact, if you go into the text itself, you'll find out that any of the Egyptians who wanted to could join the Israelites by faith, you see. So it was for everyone who came by faith. And why? Because we were all in bondage. That's why. We're all but i'm getting ahead of myself here here's what i want to do this morning let's just let's go through this account of the red sea crossing let's let's unpack hebrews 11:29 and let's so let's 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 use your left hand here and and you've got it on hold here to exodus chapter 14 and the verses that i read earlier actually i want you to go back to exodus chapter 13 verse 17 i want us to Just talk through the account of the Red Sea crossing, and then we'll talk about the significance of the account. So this is a tell the story, make the point kind of sermon. So let's tell the story. Let's go through the the account of the Red Sea crossing. In Exodus chapter 13, verse 17, do you see that in your Bibles? In Exodus 13, verse 17, Pharaoh had last released Israel from slavery. I mean, ten supernatural plagues had devastated the nation such that the Egyptian citizens actually gave Israel gold and precious metals and clothing to, to, to just to hurry them on their way. Just get out leave us and 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 so as they were getting out exodus 13 18 stay with me now says that god did not lead israel by the most direct path to canaan so there was an, there was like an interstate highway uh that had already been built along the mediterranean coast from egypt uh, uh, along the Mediterranean coast through Gaza into the land of promise. I mean, just hop on the interstate and you're going to be there in not not too many days. It was the most efficient route to Canaan. But when has our God ever been interested in efficiency? I mean, he has everything. He owns everything. Yeah, he is everything. I mean, he is the God over all and through all and in all. And And so he didn't lead Israel that way and and basically the reason why is because it was a although it was a it was a highway it was a militarized highway and israel had had no experience in the military arts i mean they were brick makers and so exodus 13 18 is a confusing translation Uh, do you see that some of your versions most versions uh, uh follow the english standard version it says It says, they went equipped for battle. They went equipped for battle. Uh, Some of you have the New King James Version, the New King James Version, and that's actually a better uh, uh, understanding because that phrase simply says, in orderly ranks, in orderly ranks. In other words, like a good kindergarten teacher, Moses made them stay in line. You stay in line. Stay, Stay with your group. Don't wander off. Don't wander off. So, so God uh, intentionally led them to the Red Sea. He put them in front of the sea with Egypt to their back, with wilderness to the right and left. He put them in a wilderness cul-de-sac. Why? Why would he do this? Keep reading. We're into chapter 14 now, verses 1 through 3. The Lord told Moses what would happen. I, I'm doing this. Because I have a plan. I have a plan. And, and here's the plan. I'm going to harden Pharaoh's heart. He's going to go after you, but I'm going to get the glory. That's exactly what happened. Pharaoh, Pharaoh thought, what was I thinking? I mean, we don't have slave labor anymore. Bring them back or kill them. And the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. He mobilized 600 chariots, his soldiers, and they came after Israel. And there was Israel, camped along the seacoast. And all of a sudden, out to the west, they saw dust rolling up the horizon, emerging. And they panicked. And then they blamed. You see that in Exodus fourteen eleven. Moses, what have you done? Is it because there's no cemeteries in Egypt you brought us here? We never should have come in the first place. We didn't want to leave in the first place. We told you we'd rather be slaves. We'd rather serve there than die here. And Moses in Exodus 14, 13, he leads. He says, fear not. Stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord. Literally, see the Yeshua The Lord, Yeshua, Joshua, Jesus, Jesus. See, Jesus, the Lord. Oh, man. He's going to work for you today. He's going to work for you today. And then Moses said, after today, you will never see the Egyptians again. Verse 14, the Lord will fight for you. You just be silent. Now, according to one commentator, that was not a word of comfort, and I'm going to quote the commentator here, all right, a guy by the name of Peter Enns in his commentary on Exodus, I quote, Moses is not saying, they're there, God will take care of you, rather this is a terse, impatient command, you be quiet, or better, shut up, (laughs) All all right, I'm just conveying the message here, all right. And then we get to verse 15 where the Lord says to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Isn't that interesting? Yeah, I would have expected verse 15 to say, Why are they crying out to me? Ah, but remember, Moses is their mediator. And so Moses has so identified with the people of God that God rebukes them through him so he's he he's guilty by association the shepherd is accused the shepherd is accused for the sake of the sheep who does that sound like see yeah 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 god says you just tell israel go forward go for, lift your staff stretch your hand out over the water so important because this is to demonstrate that that uh uh God is not in nature. God is over nature. God is above nature. God is above. Stretch your hand over the waters. And then here's the, here's the phrase in verse 16. It, rip the sea in two. The, the word divide in verse 16 is a puny translation. It, it is. It, it's rip the sea. There's a ripping that takes place. And you lead them through the channel of this oceanic rupture the egyptians will follow i will get the glory and they will know that i am the lord in exodus 20 uh exodus 14 verse 20 says it was night it was nighttime and god had provided a pillar of cloud by a day and the pillar of fire by night and he shielded israel from egypt All through the night, in verse 21, gives it. Moses stretched out his hand, and the Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind, and the waters were bachah, ripped open. God caused this oceanic rupture, resulting in dry ground. A wall of water, think 30 feet high, stood on the right and on the left. And Moses said, Go! Go! The scripture says, by faith, the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry ground. The people, the people. So this was a community act of faith, a corporate expression of dependence on the one true God over his creation. And I can just imagine as Israel was just going through you can imagine the different responses from the from thousands and thousands and thousands of hebrews there the different responses people are there they're they're marching through and they're walking. some of them are some of them are just kind of dancing through you know you ain't so bad pharaoh you ain't so bad you Ain't so bad yeah yeah and then and then there's the engineers going oh, that's so cool how does that that's try let's let's work on that right and then there are, and then there's the maybe the, maybe the more the anxious ones is going we're gonna die. We're gonna die. We're gonna die. We're gonna die. We're gonna. Die. I mean, all of it there. All of it was there. So, but, but, but they, but they, but they were all rescued. Why? Because, because it's not dependent on the uh, the quality of your faith, but the object of your faith. See, and that's what's going on here. Yeah, this corporate expression. of, of dependence on the one true god over his creation and and then the bible says that the egyptians tried to do the same so israel crossed by faith egypt crossed not by faith yeah 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 same location same time You know, similar, entering into one cross by faith, the other cross not by faith. And the Red Sea became a place of judgment and mercy. You see that? Yeah. Where does that remind you of? Yeah. place of judgment and mercy. Hebrews 14, uh, excuse me, Exodus 14, 24 says the Egyptians got stuck in the middle of the sea. Their chariot wheels clogged, trained soldiers thrown into panic and confusion. Let's get out of here. And, And Exodus 14, 25 records the Egyptians' last words, last words. Let us flee before Israel, for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. Finally, they figured it out. I mean, could you you just hear the Apostle Paul, you know, later on in the Bible, in Philippians chapter 2, that every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Listen, you can either confess Christ as Lord at the bottom of the sea or on the other side of the sea. But either way, you're going to confess him. And Exodus 14, 26 to 31 gives total contrasts. You see that? None of Israel perished. None of the Egyptians survived. One group was rescued corporately. The other group destroyed corporately. While the Egyptians had drowned Hebrew baby boys in Exodus 1, in Exodus 14... The Egyptians themselves drowned. Israel's anxious faith the night before became joyful faith the next morning. And the cry for help in Exodus 14 became the song of faith in Exodus 15. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, listen. We worship the God who does not send His people around the Red Sea, and he doesn't arrange it so that a great fleet will show up and Uber them to Canaan. He, he doesn't bring his people out of Egypt by a difficult route. He brings them out by an impossible route. Through a sea. On dry ground. Can your God do that? The God of scriptures can. The one true God can. And did praise be to him who specializes in the impossible. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, and our response to that, our response is faith. Not just faith in faith, but faith in Christ. Faith for Christ. Faith in the name of Christ. Faith makes all the difference. Faith makes all the difference. That's what we see in Exodus 14. 30 to 31. Israel saw and believed. And and what did they see? What did they see? They saw dead bodies on the seashore. That's what they saw. And and on the other side they saw and believed the Lord and His servant Moses. Israel saw, Israel believed, and then Israel acted on that belief. And, And as a community, God rescued them. So faith is about taking action, taking action. Big idea, big idea. Faith acts for Christ based on the word of Christ. Say that with me, say that with me. Faith acts for Christ based on the word of Christ. Again, faith acts for Christ based on the word of Christ. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the big idea here because Jesus is better. Trust him. Try, and then that takes us to the significance of this event, the significance of this event. And I wanna, here's, here's where I want to really make sure that I'm clear on this. Because the, the big idea of faith acts for Christ based on the word of Christ, the big, I, the big idea is not this. The big idea is not this. Um, and, and here's where we can turn back with our right hand to Hebrews chapter 11. The big idea is not, so just muster up enough faith, then God will defeat your personal Pharaoh Monday morning. Okay? Some of you may have a personal Pharaoh, and you're going to have to face your personal Pharaoh on Monday morning. And you're just thinking, if I just believe enough and pray enough, and, you know, then then I'll not only go through the water, I'll walk on water. And, And that's really faulty thinking. And here's why. Keep reading Hebrews chapter 11. Because after verse 29 and you get into verses 32 and following, you're going to find some who were victorious by faith. they, they I mean, they routed armies. They closed the mouths of lions. And then you're going to read that others were sawn in two. You're going to read that others were tortured mercilessly you're going to read Hebrews and it's going to say that the world was not worthy of them now did those who were victorious have more faith than those who were tortured to death no no they were all commended for faith they were all commended for faith you say well what am I supposed to do tomorrow morning pastor here's what you do you hit your knees and you pray to God and you seek the Lord, and then, according to Romans chapter 12, if possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with all people. Do not over be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Outdo one another in showing honor. Let love be genuine. That's what That's the word of the Lord for your personal Pharaoh. And you know what? In God's sovereign wisdom, he may close the mouths of that lion, and in his sovereign wisdom, you may get swallowed whole. There it is. We can't just use this account to obligate God to our preferred future. We need, to, we need to seek the Lord for his future, whatever that is, whatever that is. And Hebrews eleven twenty nine is for this church struggling to keep their faith in Christ before a hostile culture to Christ. Because that church was thinking, is Jesus for real? Did this really happen? And the preacher confidently says, yes, yes, Jesus is for real. And, and, and so the big, the big idea, the message is not that God will defeat your Pharaoh tomorrow morning. That's not the key message. The key message is that he has already defeated the fiercest Pharaoh that you and I will ever face. Yes. Yeah, you see, in in Luke chapter 9, verse 30, Luke chapter 9, verse 30, we learn of this amazing event in the life of Christ called the transfiguration. The transfiguration. It's where Jesus took Peter, James, and John up to a mountain to pray. And there the scripture says Jesus was was transfigured. Uh, his clothing became dazzling white. I mean it was like there was a rupture. It was like there was a rupture in the universe. And and Peter, James, and John saw Jesus in in undiluted glory. And the scripture says in Luke chapter nine, verse thirty-one, that, that they, they witnessed a conversation between Jesus and Moses and Elijah. Wouldn't you have loved to have been there? And Luke nine thirty-one says this that Moses and Elijah spoke of Jesus about his, and here's the word, exodus, about his exodus. You see, in Jesus' exodus he entered the red sea of god's wrath for our sin for while moses was a mediator between god and israel jesus is our mediator and while moses was near to god and fully human jesus was fully god and fully human And while the plagues came down on Egypt in the Red Sea of his crucifixion, the plagues came down on Christ. The walls of water held for Israel, but the walls of death collapsed on Christ. For us, Jesus was decreated on the cross so that we could be recreated through faith in him and yes while israel saw dead bodies through the testimony of scripture we have witnessed an empty tomb and our resurrected king's body and jesus himself said i tell you the solemn truth the one who hears my message and believes the one who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned, but has crossed over from death to life. Man, see, we've left Egypt. We're never going to see that. We're never going to see that past again See, because we've crossed over. We've crossed over. Yeah, And, and you can understand then how baptism is just this symbolic ceremony of the crossing over see how is a picture of our new life brought by faith in christ the significance of the exodus is that god's people left egypt crossed over an oceanic new birth by god's power and on the other side They are moving forward to the land of promise. Is that not us? That's us, church. Through Christ's exodus, by faith in Him, we go from 0% forgiven to 100% forgiven. We were in this kingdom, now we're in that kingdom. We've moved out of one country, and we're citizens of another better country and more accurately we're moving into another country so here's who I was here is what God did in Christ and here is who I am here's who I am I'm no longer a slave to sin I am a child of God can you say amen to that yeah yeah thanks be to God so Many years ago, a pastor by the name of Martin Luther wrote these words in the preface to his commentary on Galatians. Listen to this, listen to this. Martin Luther wrote, so then do we do nothing to obtain this righteousness? Nothing. Nothing at all. Perfect righteousness is to do nothing hear nothing, to know nothing of the law or of works, but to know and believe only that Christ has gone to the Father, that he sits in heaven at the right hand of his Father, not as judge, but is made by God our wisdom, our righteousness, our holiness, our advocate, our redemption. In short, he is our high priest for us and is reigning over us and in us by grace. And in that righteousness and life, I have no sin, no fear, no sting of conscience, no worry about death. I am indeed a sinner as far as this present life is concerned and a human. But I have another righteousness and a life above this life, the Son of God who knows no sin or death but his righteousness and eternal life. And by him, this body of mine that is dead will be raised again and delivered from the bondage of law and sin and will be made holy together with my spirit by his power. When I have his righteousness reigning in my heart, here, get this, get this, here it is. When I have his righteousness reigning in my heart, I descend from heaven like the rain that makes the earth fertile. Now, church, that's our vision. Our vision as a church is to be so saturated by faith in Christ's righteousness that we leave this place like rain that makes the earth fertile. Jesus sends us to tell others what he's done for us and what he promises to do for all by grace through faith in him. Therefore, there is now, now, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Do you believe that? If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone. Behold, all things are new. The apostle Paul said that last week I told you that Moses was a killer that by God's grace became an ambassador this week I'll tell you that Paul at one time was a killer who by God's grace became an apostle God used to write scripture and I mean Those were his words. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Listen, listen, listen. Paul never said, never said, yeah, well, you know, I've got a lot to atone for for my past. He never said that. He would say things like, yeah, yeah, I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, but I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ was poured out upon me abundantly, along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Here is a trustworthy saying that is worthy of full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. (laughs) It all came to Christ. All came back to Christ. So, So to act in faith, is to live like the person God says I am. So if I'm in a situation like Israel, I, I need not panic. I need not panic because God has given us his son. He's going he's gonna to give us one day at a time. Okay? He's going he's gonna to give us one day at a time. You know, on the shores of the Red Sea, the Israelites couldn't see what was in the distance. They didn't have any binoculars. At the Red Sea, they did not have binoculars to Canaan. The Lord gave them a very simple plan. Tell them to go forward. One old preacher put it this way. God never gives guidance for two steps at a time, just one. I must take one step, and then I get the light for the next. Why would God do this? To keep, to keep me depending on him. That's why. So, so our main task is to do what God has clearly told us, not what we wish God would explain to us. Yeah. And, and trusting Christ one day at a time is going to keep this struggling church enduring and it's going to keep us enduring too it will be because we don't know what's going to happen next right we don't know we don't know we've lived through COVID and we've lived through political strife and then ethnic strife and then Ukraine and then inflation and I guess now it's the banking industry and you know what next week you know what is going to be next week something else that's what it's going to be it's going to be something else okay but, but how, so how are we going to endure for that? It's not going to be by scrambling about playing whack-a-mole. Not, not, not God's people. No. No. It's going to be fix your eyes on Jesus and take the next wise step. That's what it's going to be. Because no matter what happens, Jesus is our security. And he has already secured the most difficult fight you will ever face. Already. He's done that at the cross and through the tomb. So we don't need to fight anymore. Who needs to fight when God has already fought? And so I say with the hymn, no guilt in life, no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. From life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commands my destiny. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand till he returns or calls me home here in the power of Christ I stand enduring faith amen 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 listen listen enduring faith does not come by huffing and puffing and heaving and hoeing through my trials it enduring faith comes by fixing our eyes on Christ trusting him one day at a time trust that he exists trust that he has the goods trust that to live is Christ and to die is gain then take action faith takes action for Christ based on the word of Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen.